Good morning. Good morning. Waking with the Stop. word. the day in the word. Give yourself a shake and grab yourself a coffee. And a cup of tea. Waking, Waking with the word. Good morning. Welcome to Waking with the Word, dear ones. We are in part 10 of Finding the Kingdom of Heaven after Easter. Now, I think yesterday I might have said it was part 10, but actually it was part 9. This is part 10. We've talked about how Jesus died and Peter denied him three times. We've talked about Mary, we've talked about John, we've talked a little bit about the mother of Jesus. Today I want to go back again to that very personal conversation between Peter and Jesus. Just after Jesus has risen again, there is this interaction in the Gospels between Peter and Jesus, where Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you prefer me? And what I want to point out is that this interaction is extremely personal. Do you love me? This interaction between teacher and student, between friends, yes, but between a rabbi and a disciple is so personal, so intimate. He doesn't just now look at all of the disciples and talk about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul. He hones in and pinpoints Peter. I've said he was almost restoring Peter because he was saying three times, like Peter denied him three times, do you now prefer me? We have the word love, but as I've pointed out, the word is agape, which means a love which prefers. Yes, it's also been called the love of God because God's love is a preferring love. It's not that this is just God's love. The reason agape is attributed to God is because God preferred us, no matter what we've done. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But love, as Paul has said, does not count up wrongs. This is why, so sadly, when you have people in churches and Christian society that like to count up other people's wrongs and find the dirt and pinpoint what they see as someone else's sin, I believe God turns away, probably in utter sadness, because it's just not who he is. And I've said that God can only really team up with a character that is congenial to his character. In a marriage, the two people must be a team and be going the same way for them to get along. And Joyce Meyer has rightly said that it often takes years to grow together and to become one. Many marriages are given up on. And yes, it's always sad, I believe, when a marriage fails. Please do not get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm at all against divorce. Because sometimes there is no other way. But what I'm saying is that really a marriage, a friendship, a relationship of any worth is worked at incredibly hard because two people 
are trying to become one. They want to be one in their opinions, not every opinion, but in the way they fight through life, and at least one in preferring one another in agape love. Instead of not my way or your way, it becomes our way. But with God, it's our way because we change, not because he changes. It's our way because he has agaped us because all have fallen short of the glory of God. But the wages of sin is death and the gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life. He has agaped me by preferring to love me and to keep a relationship with me than to get rid of me and to take his hands off of me. He's preferred me because he doesn't count up my sin, contrary to what other people will tell you and me. He grieves over my sin. He wants my sin to, number one, be forgiven, and number two, be forgotten. He wants it to change so it's no longer going on, and he wants to heal those who I have hurt, and heal those who you have hurt, and heal us. For the hurt we've done to ourselves and the hurt that other people have done to us. He prefers us because he sees and knows the incredible good that human beings are. And it's not just that human beings are, it's that you and me are individually. He really loves us. If you have a pet dog, and this is a very, very pathetic illustration compared to the love of God. But if you have a pet dog and the dog doesn't behave and it keeps biting people, you would prefer the dog stopped biting people and that you could keep the dog than have the dog put down because you prefer the dog. You agape the dog. You love the dog. But there's nothing you can do if it chooses to continually bite people. If it has perhaps the disease parvo and can't help itself. As much as you would want to take the disease away, you can't. And in the end, the dog will be put down, but your heart will be broken because you loved the dog. And perhaps the dog loved you as well, but it had a tendency. It had an addiction. It had a disease. It had an issue. It had a problem. And we have issues and we have diseases and we have problems And those diseases cause us sometimes to bite people, to bite ourselves and even bite the hand of God. But he chose not to put us down. He chose to prefer us and to fight for us and to show us how much he loved us and to ask us to change and to offer his relationship with us and to offer the Holy Spirit to give us his character, to change our hearts from the inside and to make us different. Because to be in a relationship with him, we can't bite him. We can't bite other people because he's love. And we have to change. It's always his way. In churches nowadays, you have people that look at other people's lifestyles and they talk about them and they say they're wrong and all of this stuff. But Jesus didn't do this. Jesus came personally to Peter. And Peter spoke with Jesus. 
Jesus didn't ask people to talk about how Peter had denied him. Jesus didn't say, come on now, let's have a big conference about this or a church meeting about it, guys. Now I've risen from the dead. No, he goes intimately just to Peter. And there's nothing that looks like the other disciples really even discussed it. This shocks me because I would think humanly, being human, we they would have discussed it. I mean, we would have discussed it, wouldn't we? But they didn't. It doesn't look like that anyway. And if they did, it isn't in the Bible. And we know what is recorded in scripture is what was needful or what they deemed necessary to be passed on. So they deemed it necessary for it to be passed on that Peter denied Jesus. And they deemed it necessary for it to be passed on that Jesus then had this intimate conversation with Peter and asked Peter three times, Peter, do you now prefer me? But they didn't put in any of the gossip that went round about that circumstance. They didn't put in any of the other human opinions about how Peter, who was this big character, had let Jesus down. Why does Jesus say, do you prefer me? Because Peter hadn't only denied Jesus at the cross. Dear Peter was passionate. Dear Peter thought he knew the way it should be. And dear Peter had also said on several occasions what he thought should happen. For instance, when Jesus was talking about the cross, Peter tried to convince him that that wasn't the way. Jesus said to him, get ye behind me, Satan. How could Jesus call Peter Satan? Because the opinion that Peter was coming out with was one that seemed like human care but it was deferring Jesus from God's mission for Jesus's life. Peter was not preferring what God wanted. Peter was preferring what he wanted and very naturally so. He didn't want his teacher to be killed. He didn't want his teacher to be persecuted. He knew the danger and he tries to say, Jesus, don't do it. But Jesus knew what God wanted, and as hard as he knew it may be, he knew he had to do it because he agapated his Lord. He agapated his Father, and any voice that was contrary to the voice of God, any voice that came anywhere near Jesus' heart to try and defer him from what God wanted, he had to cast behind him. Peter had not come to the place where he was agapaying Jesus and agapaying our Heavenly Father. He was looking at everything with his opinion, what he thinks. He wasn't stopping to pray. We don't have scriptures telling us at this point that, Jesus, that Peter went alone to pray. Peter was following Jesus, Peter was giving his opinions, but he wasn't spending time praying himself. When the Holy Spirit is intimate with us, we will find that he will give us messages. He will talk to us. And when we talk to other people who are also intimate with the Holy Spirit, there will be a oneness. This is the becoming one. As we become one with our Father, we become one with one another. Because we're all following the same head. There are no superstars in the kingdom of heaven. And if there is a superstar, 
Be very, very careful about following them. Be very, very careful, because although they may be someone who is walking with the Lord, you begin walking without the Lord, because you're now walking with your superstar, instead of spending your time walking with the head of the kingdom of heaven. We must walk with our head. He is the one who leads the body. And the body becomes one and becomes unified because we're all looking at the head, listening to the head. Stop counting up other people's sins. Stop deciding who is worthy of an intimate relationship with Jesus and who isn't and just look at who has one. Do you have one is the first question. Do you honestly have one? Because if you do, you will be more focused on your relationship with him and what you need to change and how he's talking to you and how he's developing your life than you ever will who's acceptable and who isn't acceptable and what they've done and what they did. And did you, un did you hear they did this and they said that? And do you know what? You will say, get ye behind me, Satan. All of these little pieces of gossip, all of these tasty little morsels that come to you in the form of words, all of everybody else's opinion before you've even sought the Lord's opinion, they are all spiritually powerful. But they're powerful for pulling you away from an intimate and personal relationship with your father. Obedience brings blessing, but how can I obey if I do not know the way? Let me tell you that again, obedience bring, bring, brings blessing, but how can I obey if I do not know the way? One more time, obedience brings blessing, but how can I obey if I do not know the way? And the way to find what he wants me to obey is to prefer him and to have an intimate, personal relationship with him. This works the other way as well. Because when you have an intimate, personal relationship with him, he will bring you to the point where you do not care what these other people are saying. You will despise their words. The word despise does not mean to look down on them. You may pity them but you won't have time to think about them anymore. The word despise, where it says Jesus despised the shame of the cross, means to think little of or to think little about. You will begin to think little about them, not as in their worth, but not to think about them. When it comes to your mind, you will literally say to yourself, what, I don't have time to think about that because it's not what my heavenly father is thinking. It's not what my Heavenly Father is saying to me. It's not what my Heavenly Father is doing. It's not what my Heavenly Father thinks of me. It's not something my Heavenly Father keeps bringing up in my face. I know what my Heavenly Father thinks of what they're saying about me because I know my Heavenly Father. And if it does trouble you, you will take it to him and say, Lord, they're saying this. Is that an issue with you? And he will tell you. He will tell you just like he honed in on Peter. He said, Peter, do you prefer me? You see, this is what God wants. If you ask me, what does God want from me, Emily? I will tell you, God wants you to agape him. And that means to prefer him. God wants you to prefer what he wants for your heart, for your mind, for your strength and for your body. 
Then you will say to me, and what is that? And I will say to you, go alone into your closet and shut the door. Pray to your heavenly father who sees in secret and your heavenly father who sees in secret will restore you. It is not my job to restore you. It is not your job to restore me. And you do not know what that restoration means for me. And I don't know what it means for you because I don't know you inside. You don't know me inside. I'm not God. You're not God. We are both human. We both have faults. We both have failings. I don't know what yours are. If I look with a human eyes and if I look with Christian society, I can probably pinpoint as many sins in you as I want to. But why would I even bother when I have a log in my own eye? I'm his disciple. I am his student. I am not always right and have never always been right. But he is my altogether lovely one and he refines me and he dignifies me and he disciplines me. And I will walk with him and I will talk with him and I will listen to him and God help me. I will try and obey him with the power of the living God and I will sit at his feet and I will ask for the infilling of the Holy Spirit every day of my life. And when I get it wrong, he will always get it right. Let me say it again. When I get it wrong, he will always get it right. And one more time, when I get it wrong, he will always get it right. And there is my dependence only on him only on the cross of Calvary and the grace of God that gives me the power to change that leads me on in my life so that I'm not the same but I will not change in the way you want me to I will only change as he wants me to and I will do all that he wants me to with the grace of God and the power of God and with God's help and when I don't I will crawl back to that cross and say Lord forgive me I am yours because I want to prefer him and I prefer him over you and above you and always will. But because I prefer him and he loves you, I love you too, no matter what you do. And the heart is changed and your heart is changed by that relationship with God, by that personal relationship with God. He is my Lord. I commit myself to him. I die the death to myself. Thank God that I do. Because I don't know the way, but he does. The power of the kingdom of heaven is found in agapeing him. This is what he has asked from the very beginning of time. When he made Eden, he said, there is a tree. And that tree will give you knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat it. Because that tree, that tree will teach you to discern, to think for yourself. But those words, to think for yourself, that's where the sting is. It sounds so good. But would you want a child who does not know the way of the world to think for herself. No. Do I want my dog to think for herself? No. Do I want them to have freedom within boundaries? Absolutely, yes. Do I want to be able to take care of them and look after them and yet let them be themselves and develop themselves and grow? Yes. 
Do I want them when they're old enough to look after their self, to think for themselves? Yes, with the boundaries that I have put in place to protect them from those things in this world that would harm them. So Jesus said, or God said rather, don't eat that tree, because that tree, that tree is going to give you the ability or the desire, the inherent habitual characteristic of judging for yourself about things that truly you don't know everything about. Good and evil, but only God is good. And the evil one is the exact opposite of good. So if only God is good, then he knows good and he knows purity and he can lead me to it. And if I decide for myself what is good and what is bad, then I have a warped sense of good and bad because I'm not the altogether lovely one. So I can't judge what is altogether lovely. I can't judge the way that I should go. We inherited pride. That's what that tree was. It was pride and self-reliance. And God is always trying to bring us back to agape. Prefer him. Know who he is. And he came to show, I'm the God who comes back from the dead. I'm the God who is so much greater than your planet and your earth. And I want you to agape me because I agape you. I agape you. I love you. I want you so much. I want a relationship with you. I want you healthy and I want you well and I want you good. But I need you to agape me. This is why Jesus said, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. You will prefer my way because to love me is to know me. And as the saying goes, to know me is to love me. You can't get to know him without beginning to fall so deeply in love with him and to want more and more and more and more of him. That's the power of God. The power of God is not in condemnation. The power of God is not in counting up your sins. The power of God is not in any church that's excluding you or telling you that, you know, you're shameful and... Oh my goodness, we go into church and sometimes we come out feeling even worse. Stay away from people like that. And I know that sounds harsh, but seriously do. Stay away. And, and you know, we can all do it to one another. So God forgive us when we've done it. God forgive me when I've done it. We do it without knowing we're doing it. Because we have fallen short. Because we are sinners. Because we don't know we shouldn't be leading. No one should just Jesus. And every pastor's job should be to lead us to, to, to be evidence, as I said yesterday, of a life that is lived in intimate relationship with Jesus. Every minister's job should be to challenge us to walk closely with Jesus, to sit at his feet and to listen to what he has to say. Jesus wants you to have the kingdom. He said, do not be afraid, all little flock. 
Your heavenly Father wants you to receive the kingdom. But to do that and to have that, you've got to get intimate with him. You've got to get alone with him. You've got to get in front of him and discuss the things that have took you the other way. Talk to him as Peter did and hear what his reaction is so that you know what he thinks. Begin to go his way. Begin the death that leads to life. Let me say it again. Begin to go his way. Begin the death that leads to life. And one more time, begin to go his way. Begin the death that leads to life. Jesus came that we may have life and have it in all its fullness. But to have life in all its fullness, we've got to have death in all its pain. In all this agony, it's hard. But you know what? If you keep focusing on the hardship, you're never going to receive the abundant life that he's promised. Jesus said, not my way, but your way be done. Jesus died his own death before he ever died on the cross. He died it every day when he promised and determined and persevered to go his father's way, even in coming to earth. God so loved the world, it says. Not Jesus loved the world, God did, that he sent his only son. Jesus came to earth in obedience to his heavenly father, and on earth he lived obediently to his heavenly father. And his death he died obediently to his heavenly father. And his resurrection he rose obediently to his heavenly father and into triumph. For the Bible says that I will make your enemies a footstool at your feet. But it doesn't happen by you fighting. Here's another thing that Peter got wrong. Peter takes the sword when they come to Jesus and he cuts off the ear of the servant. The high priest servant, Jesus picks up the ear, puts it back on the man and says, Peter, not like that. All Peter wanted to do was protect his teacher. And all Jesus wanted to do was to follow his father. Even if that meant following his father into death. Peter couldn't understand it because Peter had not been up praying. Peter had not been up listening. Peter had been sleeping. Because Peter preferred to sleep than to wait on God, even in that situation where Jesus said, can you not pray with me? Because they didn't get what the Spirit was doing. They didn't understand what the Heavenly Father was saying because they weren't there yet. Peter hadn't walked through his death yet. Peter hadn't realised how big God was compared to Peter's thoughts. Peter hadn't realised that sometimes Peter's thoughts are way off what God thinks. Peter had not broke enough to need to hear God's voice every day, at every moment. And now Jesus says, now you've been through that, my dear one, do you prefer me? There's no conversation about the betrayal. There's just the question, do you prefer me? Be assured, my friends, God's power will bring you back from that day, that death. 
that you die and God's power will bring you back from that sin that you have committed and that habitual habit that you have. God's power can bring you free of it. And he's not going to spend a lot of time talking about it because he wants to obliterate it. He doesn't want to know about the sin. He wants to wash it away. He wants to help you. He wants to change you. He wants to dignify you. But his question to you, in you looking for the power of the kingdom of heaven is, Precious, dear child, do you prefer me? Oh, my love, I will speak to you tomorrow. God bless. If you would like to support our work, you can find details at info at comebacktogod.org.